Oh, what a great bunch of people. Uh, you, you don't know how glad I am about to be in this body as a member of this body and with such a loving, caring group of people who love Jesus, who love their community, and are continually growing in the Lord. And we're putting cement all over ourselves so we can stick together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Coming up uh, Wednesday night, what's something we've done a couple of times in the past. Uh, we're going to meet in here, and the chairs are kind of be scattered around, and we're just going to have a night of praise and reflection, prayer and reflection. Uh, so it'll last about an hour. starts at 7 o'clock. And so we invite you to be here for that special time together. And it's a time that you can pray or you can, uh, you know, if you have something to pray for somebody else, you can. Or if you want to receive something from somebody, just as the Holy Spirit leads. So there's no formal thing to it. We'll just be playing uh, background music all the way through it. And some songs. Uh, Brother Phil Wilkham's going to be here in concert on the screen. And uh, we're going to have a, just a really good, special time in the spirit. And aren't you glad church doesn't have to be stuffy and it doesn't have to be 10 o'clock, 10.03, 10.17, I'm telling you, that's what most churches do. I'm serious. I'm not joking. Now, that's fine if that's what they want to do. Uh, if they want to put the seconds on there, they can. But uh, for you and me, we'll, uh, we'll have a little more freedom than that. And, um, uh, We'll, uh, we'll try to keep my message below four hours today. <laughs> I asked my daughter to give me the phone book. She laughed at me, calling me a dinosaur, and lent me her iPhone. So the spider's dead, the iPhone is broken, and my daughter's furious. I'm going to try that one again. I asked my daughter to give me the phone book. She laughed at me, called me a dinosaur, and lent me her iPhone. So the spider is dead, the iPhone is broken, and my daughter is furious. <laughs> Maybe it just comes over better when you're reading it rather than listening to somebody else read it. <laughs> <laughs> a new teacher was trying to make use of her psychology courses. Okay, teachers, you have to listen to this and appreciate it. She started her class by saying, everyone who thinks they're stupid, stand up. After a few seconds, little Larry stood up. The teacher said, do you think you're stupid, Larry? No, ma'am. But I hate to see you standing there all by yourself. <laughs> I loved it. You obviously did too. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Praise God. Well, let's get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are here in a special, significant way today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you manifest Jesus that you uh, open our hearts, our eyes, our ears to understand, to see, and to hear, that we may receive everything you have for us 
according to your perfect will and your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Going to share a few things uh, from George Barna in a survey he took last year about worldview realities. The most significant finding of all is that just 4% of millennials have a biblical worldview. In fact, among the latter portion of the generation, those 18 to 24, only 2% have a biblical worldview. This discovery is part of the larger national trend in which the incidence of biblical worldview possession has declined by 50% over the last 25 years. A biblical worldview is seeing the world through the eyes of the Bible. In other words, seeing it through what God says. Uh, it's seeing objective truth, the truth that doesn't change, the, the truth that's the same always, just like Jesus, the same today, yesterday, and forever. It's not subjective truth, a relative truth where it changes from day to day. It's I have mine, you have yours, everybody else has theirs. A hodgepodge of all sorts of things. But an understanding of God the Creator, He's all-knowing, all He's all-present, He's the essence of him is love and just and holiness and all the different attributes of God. I could go on and on. There's more than just four or five like you normally hear. That's important. And his truth is the real truth, and it doesn't change. But culture can try to sway things, get off the road, get off the path. And that's what we need to be aware of. Uh, the sons of Issachar uh, knew the signs of the times, the Bible says. They knew what was going on around them. And so part of what I need to do as your pastor is to be able to share with you what's going on in the culture, because some of us can very easily be in a bubble. And that's something that we need to understand what's happening, because we have this serious issue, I believe, in this country uh, about things like that. And if that doesn't show you that only 2% of 18 to 24-year-olds actually see the, the things that are happening in the world through the eyes of the Bible. Okay? So very few millennials have fully embraced alternative worldviews. Okay? In other words, worldviews such as Marxism, secular humanism, postmodernism, or others. In fact, the, most, the highest percentage of any of them was 3%. More commonly, millennials, like older adults, are synchronistic. They choose choosing an electric, personalized blend of ideas and principles from various competing worldviews. So in other words, I talked to a gentleman this last week who happens to be about the same age I am, and he said, well, you know, there's 50,000 religions, 50,000 Christian religions, and 100,000 religions in the world. Then he started telling me what he believed, and I started to say there's 100,001 now, but um, anyway, overall, nine out of 10 young adults live according to such a mashup of philosophically inconsistent perspectives. Although six out of 10 millennials still call themselves Christian, they treat that label as a reflection of being a good person more than a Christ follower. Just 19% say they will go to heaven after dying 
solely because they've confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Three times as many, 56%, believe that if people are good enough during this time on earth, they will spend eternity in heaven. We know we're saved by grace through faith. Amen? Given that we trend to do what we believe, it's important to recognize other patterns and religious belief advanced by millennials. Among them are the fact that just one-third believe in God as the all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect, and just creator who rules over the universe today. In fact, the largest and fastest-growing faith segment is the don'ts, the O-N apostrophe T. People who do not know if God exists, do not care if God exists, or do not believe that He exists. They constitute 43% of this generation. Just three out of every 10 young adults contend the Bible's trustworthy and relevant, and the same proportion believes that God is the basis of truth. A mere one-third says that absolute objective moral truth exists. It also bears noting that frequent anxiety, depression, and fear are logical extensions of their worldview rather than comfort, peace, and joy. Their experience seems like a predictable outcome for people who do not believe that a caring and engaged supernatural being is in control of world events, that there is forgiveness of one's transgressions, that there are rules by which the universe operates, that the chief indicator of success is obedience to God, or that there is any hope beyond the grave. When life is defined as a series of random, mechanical, dispassionate outcomes, perhaps the only sane response is regular bouts of anxiety, depression, and fear. These days, skepticism and distrust are normal. A minority of millennials are very satisfied with their closest relationships. Only one quarter of them say that they can always or almost always trust Christian pastors to say or do what's right. There were no cultural leaders tested whom a majority of this generation trust. Now, that's what's happening out there with that generation, 18 to 35, okay? That doesn't include anybody here, by the way. Well, it does include you. It includes you to give an opportunity to do something about it, but all of us have that opportunity, all of us. What does this make the trend in our country today? I heard one influential academia, quote-unquote, say just yesterday on a video that was done, I think, Wednesday night, that by the year 2050, there will be no genders. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? But that's what they're trying to push towards their agenda. Well, you take young people that haven't gone to church as uh, a child, haven't been exposed to biblical uh, understanding Christian lives, then they grow up to get a little older, and if they're not messed up before they leave home, they'll get messed up in college. 
And because the colleges, for the most part, there are good universities out there, don't get me wrong. But for the most part, there's so many different things that are aimed at them. It's just a battle that those of us that are older can't really grasp because we weren't in those situations. And even the 35-year-olds can't grasp what the 20-year-olds are going through. It, it's such a broad spectrum of an attack. So I think it's only appropriate that we take a look at this and uh, let's go to the Word of God and let's, uh, let's think about some things and then let's talk about some things after we do some Scripture reading this morning. We're going to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians, a wonderful book written in prison by the Apostle Paul. Now, he talks in uh, chapter 4 about the FIFO ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are there for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So the Bible doesn't use the term clergy. The Bible doesn't use the term laity. The Bible uses the term body of Christ. And it does point out there's the fivefold ministry, just like there's other ministries in other areas. But it doesn't make anybody in a particular area or calling superior to anyone else. It makes, because God sees every one of us equal value. But some of us have more responsibilities than others. And all of us have a responsibility to continually to grow. Good place to say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Okay, Ephesians 6, 1, and I'm just going to skip kind of through the first few verses. It says, children, obey your parents. Uh-huh. That, that's an opportunity for the parents to say amen. <laughs> Honor your mother and father that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So your parents don't kill you. No, I said... Just joking. It talks about fathers, two fathers. It talks to servants. Uh, it talks to masters. Um, knowing that whatever good does anyone, he will receive as a reward from the Lord, whether he's a free person or a slave person. And then verse 10 says, In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Where's your strength come from? Very good answer. Be empowered through your union with Him. I'm doing Amplified today. Be empowered with, through your union with Him, one with God. Draw your strength from Him. Rick just had a little bit of a spiel on that a while ago. Amen. To me. I guess he looked like he thought I needed it. Well, I know. You're doing it for yourself. I thought you were doing it for me. Well, I hope it came back to you. Praise God. That's good stuff. That's encouraging the brethren. Draw your strength from Him, the strength which His boundless might provides. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies. God supplies the armor. This armor, if it was in the natural, it would weigh more pounds than you could probably walk with. But God supplies it. And your burden is light. Your yoke is easy. Contending, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. That you may be able successfully. That sounds like the Lord, doesn't it? Successfully. To stand up against all the strategies and the deceits 
of the devil. The devil is an invisible alien to the kingdom of God. He tries to keep edging in, and all he can do is lie. And if you receive what he says, then it's going to take you off track. And we have to be discerning. We have to have our minds renewed to the Word of God. We have to be spiritually discerning when it's the devil and when it's not. The devil is a counterfeiter. He comes as an angel of light, the Bible says. If Tim was going to open up a counterfeiting studio... I'll pick on you this morning, front row. Uh, Going to counterfeit some money. He wouldn't counterfeit $18 bills. Be kind of silly, wouldn't it? He wouldn't counterfeit red $18 bills. He wouldn't counterfeit a red $18 bill. It's as wide as this paper, the size of that paper. Why? Because it doesn't look like the real. It can't be counterfeit. It's play money. He's going to print one that's the same size as a $20 bill, the same paper that he can get or the same ink colors and all of that, but the same picture. He's going to do it just as close as he can. Now, that's what the devil does. He tries to get it as close as he can to the real thing. And we have to be able to mm, look at that. And the Word of God will help us do that. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13 says we're all naked and open for him, before him with whom we have to do. That would in the notes, sorry. But that's the Word. So the Word of God will divide asunder. What's of the soul, the inner part of man, and spirit, what God gives us and what God has made us in the creation. Okay? Verse 12, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but with despotisms against the powers against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. You see, we think about an enemy that we can see here, but we use these eyes to see him, okay? When I was in the Marine Corps boot camp, we had pugil stick fighting. Pugil stick is a, like a broom handle with a big, large pad on each end. And we wear a football helmet, and we make this big, huge circle. And my particular group uh, troop is on one side, and the other ones are on the other side. And we're going to have a contest. Well, sweet, lovable Dan, knowing that, uh, you know, I'm a nice guy, kind of. No, most of the time. Well, some of the time. Whatever. We'll let Kelly talk about that one. <laughs> Be the nice guy that I am, I'm going to go out there and kind of just, you know, do it. So we get out there and, and all I know is bang, 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 I'm on the ground. Okay, well, that got me riled up. 
I thought, I probably won't draw the same guy, but I'm going to get one of his Marine Corps brothers, and that guy is going to have an issue, and he's going to eat some dirt. <laughs> so we stand up again after everybody does one-on-one, and they say, okay, we're going to do now, instead of having a, a pugil stick, which is a simulation of a rifle with bayonet, one of you's going to have one of those, and the other one's going to have a, a rubber hose, which simulates a bayonet. And I thought, hope I get the pugil stick. I got the pugil stick. And then we're starting this little deal, you know, and I realized, hey, this is too much fun. Bang! Knock him on the ground, jump on top of him, take his rubber hose, and I'm beating his helmet like that. <laughs> I was in a spiritual contest, excuse me, a physical contest, and I won it. Well, that's the way we need to do the devil. Beat the hell out of him. Who can do that spiritually. Amen. And the tools are the armor that God gives us to be able to have that confrontation with the enemy and always, as we read, win. Always. And if you do lose the contest, it's not over. Because we just get up and do it again. My first pastor used to say, this is a ball game, and you keep on swinging until you hit the ball. Doesn't make a difference how many times you missed it. It's 93 strikes and you're out. The, the, the deck is stacked against him. Verse 13. Therefore, put on God's complete armor. See, some of us only have part of the armor on. Some of us only have part of the, the uh, tenacity to run through the spiritual attack and come out on the other side of it. And if you've, been, if you've given in to one of those before, change it. Get all your armor on this time, not just part of it. Put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the, the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Stand therefore... Hold your ground that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. Having done all, the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Don't give up ground. Do I need to read that again? That's twice enough. Okay. Verse 14. Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and right standing with God. Okay, the, the, the soldiers in this day and time, their shoes or boots, I don't know how much they weighed, I didn't look that up, but they weren't you know, a pound and a half or two pounds or even five or ten pounds. They were heavy. The soles were thick and the tread on them, if you'll call it that, because it's all steel, they're like this in a, in a way so that when you walk forward, they'll dig into the ground. And once you get your position, you can stand and it's going to take a lot of power to move you. Okay? So you dug in, you're standing firm. And you will not let the enemy behind you. 
Now, these guys, and I'm sure you've seen movies that tells part of this story, but, you know, they all, they, they get in line up, you know, maybe six lines behind one behind the other, and then they get the, the shields out there, and they put them in front of them, and the other guy starts throwing arrows at them. That's the pitcher. And they throw other stuff at them too, rocks and fireballs and all kinds of stuff. That's just a picture of the enemy trying to get in. Well, we ain't giving up the ground. We're going to stand firm, praise God. The belt of truth is so important because truth is what leads us to freedom. If you continue in my word, then you shall be my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John 8, 32, verse 36 says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are free in Jesus. And that's the reason that we continue to wash our mind with the Word of God so that we will be clean and ready and anticipate anything the enemy might throw at us that we're in a battle right now. The breastplate of integrity and moral rectitude and right standing are the... The uh, righteousness, the breastplate's extremely important. It takes care of our innermost being and all the vital organs that we have in our body. We've got to have that on. Without it, we're toast. We need to realize what the Word of God says. He who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I stand not in my righteousness. It's not worth a flip. I stand in his righteousness who saved me, who gave his righteousness to me, who imputed it to me so that I could stand with the Lord on my side. In fact, the Lord's in me on my side. For me, with me, in me. Many people say, I'm just a wretched, poor sinner. Well, the fact of it is, you still sinned. And you still sin probably every day just like I do. But that's not how I identify. People want to talk about how I identify every day. I'm a child of God. He loved me. He saved me from my wretchedness. He came into me and made me a new creation. And He loves me and cares for me. And my sins are forgiven in Him by His blood sacrifice at Calvary. That settles it. So devil... I'm a child of God. If you have a problem, you can go take it up with Jesus. Praise God. That's what righteousness is all about. Hallelujah. Go ahead and clap. It's okay. Amen. Well, Brother Dan, that sounds like you're kind of a little up there in pride. No, I'm not. I'm in humility because I can't get there any other way. God gives grace to the amen. Praise God. Would you mind getting me a glass of water? Thank you. That is what the truth of the Bible says. And that's what I say. That's the biblical world view. That in Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because of what I've done, but because what Jesus did on the cross. What he did in the power of his resurrection. That's what settles it. That is the difference between life and death. Praise God. Having your feet shod in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability and promptness. Thank you, sir. And promptness and the readiness produced by the good news 
of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. The gospel brings peace to the heart of man. The gospel dissolves all the burdens, all the frustration, that fear, that anxiety, that depression must go in the name of Jesus. The gospel sets men and women free. The gospel makes new creations. I'm not what I used to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be, but Jesus and I are working on that part, and praise God, I am no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I am in the kingdom of his precious son, the kingdom of his light, the kingdom of life. Praise God. That's the gospel. It's good news. I'm not up here preaching against your sins, although if you have any, you need to clear that out with God for sure. Okay? This is not some kind of happy, clappy, yell, oh, you know, okay. The fact of it is, those things are burdens you don't need. And once you figure out that you should be dead to sin, that can mean two things. It can mean that I don't do it anymore, which we know that we still do. Just don't do it as much, I hope. And not the same ones, I hope. But it also can mean that sin has no hold on me. And that's what it really means. It means if I mess up, all I have to do is do what He told me to do. If I confess my sins, he's faithful to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. All I have to do is say, Jesus, I am sorry. Please help me not to do this again. Thank you for forgiving me. And then I can walk out in freedom again. I don't have to go, oh. You know, if if I concentrate on that stuff, I'm going to live in that stuff. If I concentrate on him, in his word, by his spirit, I get to live in him. So I'm not going to mess around with what my weaknesses are when I know that I have his strengths. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I know it because he told me. The gospel of peace is the answer to so many things. It's so wonderful when someone gets genuinely born again. And they lay down all of that junk and they rise to the occasion of realizing they need help. And if you're listening today on YouTube and if you need help, the answer is Jesus Christ. And I don't say that because of religion. I say that because of what he said. He wants a relationship with us. He cares about each individual, not just the mass of people. Boy, he's got a job, doesn't he? Verse 16. Lift up over all the covering shield of faith. I love that one. The shield of faith. You know, the shield of faith was not some kind of little round circle here that you're trying to catch the fiery darts. It's this big thing that actually went to the ground at the top of their head. And they'd slide them down like that. And that's the reason they had to have an armor bearer because... They got this big armor on everything, you know. They can't carry everything. Ever, have you ever picked up, like in a museum, one of those swords? You know, it's not two or three pounds. I mean, I don't know how much they weigh, but it's like, mm, mm. you know. All you have to do is get it above somebody's head, then just kind of drop it. They're toast. <laughs> but shield of faith, I was praying one day about that, thanking God for it. 
And he showed me what my shield of faith looks like. Now this is, you can take this if, if you want to, and you can just throw it in the trash can if you want to. But I'm going to tell you what I got from the Lord. I got like a capsule coming down over me all the way around, top, bottom, everything. It was clear. That's the shield of faith that he has for us. He's my rearward, the Bible says. He goes before me and he's my rearward. He's all around me. He's everywhere. The devil cannot come in me when my shield of faith and my faith is in what? Him. Not me. Him. What he has done, what he is doing, what he's doing tomorrow. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. That's what it's all about. And the shield of faith will protect you against all of the attempts of the enemy. Every single solitary one. Faith is the one ingredient that we need to apply to be able to receive from God. And he's even given us a measure of that. And if you want an increase, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, I believe it is. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. NIV says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the message of Christ. What does that mean? Well, if I'm kind of down on my down on my luck, if you believe in luck. If you're kind of having some financial issues, get in the Word. See what the Word says about that. If you need healing for your body, get in the Word. See what the Word says about that. If your kids are acting up, get in the Word. See what the Word says about that. If your parents are acting up, whatever. It's, it's, you get in the Word. The Word has answers. Okay? It has answers for life. People are still people regardless of what the culture says. We're not progressing. We're digressing. We're not getting greater. Can I just be honest? There's a lot of, questions, a lot of things today. We just suck. I normally wouldn't say that word because I think it's pretty strong, but I'm going to tell you what. Culturally, we suck. We need to get a grasp. We need to wake up. The Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. There would be a lot less sin in the body of Christ if we'd wake up to righteousness. Awake up to righteousness and sin not. That's a key. That's one of those things you turn it. There's keys to the kingdom, and that's one of them right there. You turn that key, and it's a different day. It's a glorious day. You're walking in this marvelous light now rather than just in your own self. See, there's a supernatural walk to experience. That supernatural walk is something that he has for every one of us. And that walk doesn't make us any better than anybody else. It makes us more able to help others, though. And it protects us and our family and our loved ones and our church and all the things that we are involved in. You walk that supernatural walk in your position at work, and guess what? There'll be some changes going on. You do that in the school that you're in, there'll be some changes going on. Oh, yeah, there may be some attacks every now and then. So what? You got a shield of faith. Besides, if somebody wants to pick on me because I'm serving Jesus or talking about him, come on, bring it on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The fact is, Jesus Christ 
will walk through each and every situation with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. He is doing a marvelous work in you, no matter if you believe it or not, as long as you've just got your head listening towards Him. Plugged in to the Word of God, plugged into a great church, plugged in to relationships of people around you so that you can be encouraged and admonished as necessary and all the things that go into being a loving body, praise God. Take, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the sword that the Spirit wields, which is the Word of God. What does he say, the helmet of salvation? Well, we're all born again. Well, you better be, because it's not going to work unless you are, i.e., seven sons of Sceva. Be running naked down the street like they were, they try to cast that devil out by themselves. In the name of Paul or Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. Ah, oops. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I want to see somebody make a movie of that sometime. I'm not talking about being totally exposed, but I mean the idea of it. I think that would really be cool. See if anybody has the guts to do something like that sometime. But the helmet of salvation, I believe, is in there because salvation is so much more than just being born again. That's great. That's the first thing, and that counts out throughout eternity. But salvation here, soteria, is a much broader, bigger word than that. There's so many aspects to salvation, like deliverance and healing and, and a, a clarity of mind and purpose, all the things that God has for us, protection. Uh, salvation is a big word. We just don't use it big enough. We talk about that being saved or not you know, born again or not, and that's it. No, it's so much more than that. Praise God. Verse 18, pray at all times on every occasion and every season in the Spirit. He that prays in an unknown tongue prays in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says. No, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14. I'm not sure what verse it is. Pray in the Spirit all the time. With all manner of prayer and entreaty, to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. Well, Brother Dan, I don't think I can pray 24-7. He doesn't expect you to pray 24-7. You need to be in an attitude of prayer 24-7. Well, when I'm sleeping, yeah. If he wakes you up in the middle of the night, he's probably got a purpose for you. Well, I couldn't sleep. Well, good, pray. I never will forget uh, praying with a group of men some years back every morning, and one of them went to sleep every morning. We laid on the, down on the altar or stage, and one of them went to sleep almost every morning. Bless his heart. But he was there. He's tried. He had an attitude of prayer. <laughs> Praise God. We need to be quick to pray in any situation that we're involved in. If you're going down the highway and you see a car wrecked and there's policemen and firemen or whatever around it, do you just pray as you're going down the road? Or do you say, hope nobody's hurt too badly? Or do you pray? Father, please, in the name of Jesus, help them, deliver them from that situation and heal them. Give the people that are working with those folks uh, the wisdom that they need to do to be able to help and take care of that emergency need. Thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name. They have no ill effects. Whatever you want to pray for that, but pray. 
You can be an asset to that person you don't even know. You'll probably hear about it in heaven, but, you know, it, that's the thing about it is we're not in here so we can have a praise report. We're here so that we can do what God said to do and help somebody out. And then if something comes out of it, fine. If nothing, don't worry about yourself. Worry about that person. Think about that person. Praise God. Pray at all times, be in a manner of, of, of prayer in the Spirit so that we are doing what God wants us to do, the larger body of Christ as well as the particular people. If you have a, a, a time to pray, a lot of times you will have an opportunity because God will speak something to you. And it may be somebody in another country or something. You may or may not know who it is or what it is. But God does that. He's God. And He does it for purposes. I remember one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, Reinhard Bonnke, who went to be at the Lord just a year or two ago. He talks about when he was very young. and his, This guy led as many as a million people to the Lord at one time in Africa. He had these huge, huge meetings. It was nothing to have 100,000 people saved in his meetings. When he was very young, he almost died. And there was a lady in Germany, his home country, that woke up in the middle of the night and prayed for him. And later on, he was telling some things about what had happened to him on his mission trip back in Germany. And the lady says, what day was that? And he told her, and she goes, hmm, I know who was praying for you. <laughs> she was. She wasn't sure it was him, but she knew that somebody in a mission field. Praise God. Folks, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual war in our country today. There are young adults in this country that answered that survey just like I read through at the first. It's pretty hard for me to believe that because I remember going into school that I was, in fact, they outlawed prayer in school when I was a sophomore in high school. and We kept on praying. Nobody did anything about it. But I know through the years, things have changed a lot. I was a youth pastor in the late 80s, worked with kids in the early 90s a lot. And I know that it was a lot different then. My boys both graduated in the 90s. But the truth of the matter is, it's so much worse now than it was then. Even five or ten years ago, it's so different. We, we're in a spiritual war for the propagation of the church of Jesus Christ in the USA. And if you don't think that, you need to investigate it. I'm here telling you the truth. We have a warfare that we need to win. What will we do about it is the question. Will we sit by and go, golly, I remember when I was down there on earth that, you know, all that stuff was coming up. I didn't realize it didn't do much, but I made it to heaven myself. Let's have some people to take with you. Who has noticed the lobby card out there that's been out there for the last two or three weeks? It says, think 200. Okay. It's been out there about three weeks, I believe. I think this is the third Sunday. Think 200. Think 200. Well, we have an assignment. We have an assignment, I believe, from heaven. 
We're going to start thinking like there's 200 people in these seats. We're going to act like there's 200 people in these seats. We're going to believe God for 200 people in these seats. And we're going to do something about it. Now, I want to say right now, I am totally satisfied for being 50 people for the rest of our lives. But I'm not the boss. Jesus is. And it's our responsibility to whom much has been given, much is received. Jesus is the boss. And he will get what he wants done through people. So it's our pleasure to be ambassadors for Christ Jesus. It's our pleasure to be ministers of reconciliation. I have some great news for you, especially for you older people, whoever that is. Millennials will listen to you. Just Gail, huh? Give him a big elbow. Millennials will listen to you. I promise you. They will listen to you. They appreciate wisdom. They appreciate somebody coming into them, just jumping into their life. They appreciate the fact that you're talking to them probably in a way that a lot of people can't talk to them. You're non-threatening. Yep, that's what gray hair, if you still have any, does. You're non-threatening. If you're, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100, (laughs) then that is your opportunity to be involved. You know, I love to be involved with people that I don't know. I love restaurants and just going to them and talking to people, starting a conversation. I was eating some tacos at a taco place yesterday, and there was a mother and her son. He was probably, I'd say, 11 or 12. I went over there, and I used my normal little thing I do with a lot of kids that age and say, has anybody just walked up to you, some guy you've never seen before, didn't know, and offered you so much money and uh, just gave it to you? And he goes, No. And I said, you've never had that happen? He said, well, I'd have to say no. And I said, well, your day's different today. I handed him 20 bucks. I'm not saying you have to do that. That's what I handed him. He goes, wow! You don't think I'd have an opportunity for an open conversation then? That's just one little thing. I'm not telling you you have to do that or do that or anything else, but I'd rather eat, you know, a bag of Fritos and give him the money than I'd spend it on a meal, but God provides for both, so that's good too. We've got to be able to get over to the other side. There's a lot of millennials that are running around. They need Jesus, but they don't know that. And we are there to be the representation of Jesus, the only Jesus they may see this next week. And we have an opportunity to speak into their lives. Now, that gives us an opportunity to be the minister of reconciliation, the ambassador for Christ Jesus, to do what he said to do. You may end up praying for him. You may end up praying for healing for him. And God just heals them right on the spot. Who knows? But if you don't talk to them and don't try, then ain't nothing going to happen. Okay? We need to reach this generation because the church in America is losing this generation, and it'll lose the one right after it if there's not raised up a difference here. 
Now, there's a bunch of good kids that love Jesus at all ages. And there's a bunch of good young adults that love Jesus at all ages. But the opportunity is, even though they have a responsibility to reach their generation, we're going to help them. And we're going to feed them and we're going to do the things that are necessary to give them the tools to help them. I want to be challenged by millennials, not in a combative way. I would like to see this auditorium full of millennials that are just searching for truth. They'll not be put down. You'll not be put down if you come to church tomorrow, 6800 North Bright, Oklahoma City, 73121. We love you and care about you. And if you just want to get some answers... We'll be here to help you with those answers. Non-condemning. I was lost. I was a goofball once. Wasn't this good-looking academic guy I am now. It's a good place to laugh, okay. You know, I was a sinner. I still fall into stupid stuff every now and then. But the fact of it is, I've got my eternal life in order. I've got my life as a Christian pretty much in order. God's still working on some things, but I've pretty much got it in order. And I didn't get there in one week or one year or one decade even. And that's not, oh my gosh, what's it going to... It's just say it gets better all the time, stuff you don't even know. God will be working with you on it. Say, hey, by the way, uh, what about... Well, I didn't think about that, Lord. You know, that's, that's what's cool about this particular belief system that we have, this relationship we have with the creator of the universe. And there's young people that need to know this. And all we need to do is just talk to them. You, there's no pressure on trying to win them to Jesus in the first time you ever see them. Get them to come to church. Get them to see what it's about. Get them to hear a good message. Get them to see friendship. Get them to see people that care about each other. Give them opportunity. Like I say, I'm not here to try to, you know, be a combative person and change their life. I'm here to share them the truth. I'm here to love on them. I don't care if they're transgender, homosexual, whatever they are. There's all, there's all kinds of sins, by the way. Gossiping, backbiting, separation, division. Yeah, ooh, 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 ooh. yeah those are all sins too. So I don't care what they are. This is a hospital, a clean-up place too, you know. It's a celebration place, but it's a hospital too. And if people need help, we want to help them. And we can because of Jesus in us, the hope of glory. And so this is a challenge for you this week. Just talk to some young people. And, and by the way, if you bring somebody in here that's 90 years old, that's great too. Okay, we're not a respecter of people with ages but I'm just trying to encourage those of you that may be a little older. It's easy for us to talk to millennials. Very easy. Because they'll see and recognize wisdom pretty close. And if they don't want to listen, that's okay. You can go on down too. But you'll have something in common. And, and the Lord will show you those things when you start talking to people. He'll show you those things. He'll, he'll put somebody... You may be driving a car down the street... And the Lord says, go back and talk to that person. Well, I wouldn't do that. Well, I've done plenty of it. <laughs> What's well, because you're a pastor. I did it before I was a pastor. I was a car dealer. Yep. I, I'm just saying this is a wonderful world. It's a wonderful place. For God so loved the world.
that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus died on the cross for those millennials. Let us see that. I don't care if they've got 15 tattoos on their face, 16 uh, piercings, uh, five different colors of hair, skinny jeans, or whatever they're wearing or not wearing. I don't care. They're a human being created in the image of God, and we need to recognize that. They have value. They have purpose. And some of those people will be some of the best Christians you've ever seen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Think 200. Start thinking and acting like we have 200 people in regular attendance. That takes asking people, lots of people. You talk to three people and none of them show up, so what? Get three more. And get three more. And get three more. Just don't do it because we want 200 people, though. Do it because we love them and have compassion for them. Of course, we want people of all ages. Wouldn't it be cool to have some of our more experienced people in the Lord helping those young people who are trying to work things out? The Bible's very strong about teaching those below us age-wise. You know, Paul told Timothy, that train men who'll be able to train others. The Bible says, you older ladies, take care of the younger ones. Teach them, lead them. Who are these people? What, what do they believe and what do they want to believe? Where are they going in life? You know, you can ask one, yeah, what are you doing? Are you, uh, they're waiting tables on you maybe. You say, hey, you know, are you going to school somewhere or, you know, about a, just start a conversation. They'll talk to you because white people have a tendency to talk. Now, they may be busy, so don't you know, keep them from waiting on their tables right, but you can go back and forth because they're going to be back at your table. Drink a lot of iced tea, so they have to fill it up a lot. <laughs> While all the time knowing when you're talking to them that they actually love and care about you, that you have a loving and caring church to leave them a card. We have way too many of those handout cards. We got some on this uh, coffee bar. We got some out there on the little round table by the other bar outside. Got way too many of them. Those ought to be gone today. See the picture. All the lonely people, depression, anxiety. Fear. It's grasping them. It's in their throngs. That it's like the enemy just puts his fingers in them and just pulls them back. And they're they're shaking and they're moving like a, a cork on the sea. It moves around here and around there, and they're picking up all these things, and what they have in their life isn't working, so they grab something else, or they grab more of the same all too often. And it gives them no production. It gives them no freedom. It gives them no substance. Jesus Christ is substance. Jesus Christ will hold our hearts and our lives together. And then when the storms of life start blowing, we have our feet shod with the gospel of peace. And we have on our shoes that hold us to the ground. And we're not moving anywhere. We're standing. Resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Run as in terror. Flee. Devil, shoo. That's what he's good at doing. 
running around and going the other way when the Word of God is spoken, when the blood of Jesus is applied by faith in the person's life to cover their sins and other things. I'd like to ask you one thing. And by the way, if you're not sure about your salvation, you're not sure about the fact you're born again or not, you have anything else to discuss, there'll be some people up here at the front after service to take care of your particular needs, okay? And next week, if you'll come to Oklahoma City, we'll take care of you. If you're not in Oklahoma City, then you need to find a good church in your area. I promise you there is one somewhere that'll preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, him and him crucified and raised from the dead. I want to give you, give you a challenge today. If you're with me on this, think 200. Got to think. I want you to stand up out of your seat right now. Just stand up with me. There's no condemnation if you can't stand. That's okay. Because I want this to be between you and Jesus. Not because a man's asking you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for all these wonderful people that have a heart for you and have a heart for the lost or the unlearned. <coughs> thank you, Lord, that your spirit is within us to lead us, guide us, teach us, train us, to reach the lost, to be a minister of reconciliation, to hold the hands of somebody that needs that, to raise up the brokenhearted, and to release them in the name of Jesus, to empower them with the things that you have for them. And, Father, to gather them, to bring them into the house of the Lord, that they may learn more, that they may be exposed to real-life Christianity, not just religion, but real-life Christianity, a relationship with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you as we start to think 200 that we know that the Lord of the harvest is out there working with us and adding people daily to us that we may have more to go out and to reach those that are lost, those that are unlearned, those that are hurting, those that are sick, sad, lonely, those that are broken. God, that we can just be there to encourage them and to share the words of truth to show them Jesus, not just tell them, but to show you Jesus. Manifest yourself in you, in us, for your glory, because it truly is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We thank you and praise you and honor you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. Please be seated. Hallelujah. I want you to look at one another for just a couple moments, and I want you to say 200. Okay, look at, the, look at them again and say, do you remember? 200. Okay. Look at one another again and say 200. Okay. We didn't say 100. We didn't say stay at 50. We said 200. Okay. Remember, God is all about expanding the kingdom. Sometimes we have a hard time transitioning. <laughs> we like it the way it is. Look at one another and say 200. <laughs> but that means that there might be someone who actually sits right next to me. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. Okay. All right. That means I might have to sit at the front row. <gasps> 
Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, everyone say missions. missions. You know, part of, okay, the gospel, okay, deals with missions. Part of our 200, okay, can very well deal with us, okay, ministering to those that we can't get to personally, but they might be in other places. I've known many a time that if we sow, God brings back a greater blessing. And if we sow into other people's lives, guess what happens? We may very well end up with many more here as well. Amen? That's the way God works. Hallelujah. Uh, today, we're going to focus on uh, our missions. This is our mission Sunday, so to speak. And we're going to focus on Pakistan today. Everyone say Pakistan. Now, Pakistan has a population estimated last year at 229 million, okay? Uh, they're not a huge country geographically, okay? But 229 million, that's a lot of people, okay? 96% of them are Muslim, okay? Uh, they are a very diverse nation with multi-ethnic culture. Uh, a lot of things have happened in the last hundred years in that region. And so a lot of uh, turmoil has taken place. Unrest has taken place throughout its existence. And they are hungry for something or, let's say, someone beyond what they've known. Uh, we have, you know, Pastor Dan has done several uh, uh, sermons, uh, several evangelistic uh, messages uh, through uh, visual Skype, I can't remember what you've used, Skype, uh, through the last couple of years. And many uh, times, 75% or more of that congregate, those that come, will receive Jesus for the first time. That's amazing. Hallelujah. And uh, we need to be able to bring the gospel to all the nations as the Lord opens the door for us. Amen. Hallelujah. The pictures behind me are showing the resurrection services that they had last week, ministering to the children in their area who are in so much need. Okay. Some of them are still being used, okay, for work, uh, long hours uh, as they're enslaved. Okay, and uh, these ministries touch their lives and bring food to them and tell them about Jesus, and it's quite an amazing thing that takes place. So consider uh, giving uh, uh, when you're uh, offering and your tithes and so forth. Consider giving to uh, uh, the ministry uh, on the missions. We also minister, or uh, let's say we give to those who are in Africa. We give to a couple others also in India. And so uh, consider uh, giving when, when, you, uh, uh, when the Lord leads you. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, according to uh, the word in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, Each man should give as he has decided in his heart. He should not give wishing he could keep it. Or he should not give it if he feels he has to give. God loves a man who gives because he wants to give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you give today, give with that understanding. Okay, we're not going to force it and make it happen. Hallelujah. But give because the Lord stirs you. Okay, think of all he's done for you. 
I'll leave it at that. Bring attention. I want you to just remember you have different ways that we can give. Uh, we have the uh, text to give. We have the online. And then we also have the offering envelopes right there at the drop box there in the back. And um, some announcements. Everyone say, we announce... So that you can understand and know, okay? So everyone, hear up. We need your birthdays. Look at your neighbor and say, birthdays are needed. Our birth dates are needed. So I want you to gather, get a card there, a connect card in the back, and write down your name. Of course, we need your name. Because if you just put down your birthday and no name, then that's not going to help us any, okay? So even if you've done it before, it's been a while, we want to update everything. So put your name and your birth date, Okay, so the date that you were born. Uh, just the day and the month is fine. You don't have to, you know, tell us how old you are by the year, okay? Because we will announce it. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> uh, Wednesdays, uh, this Wednesday, we're going to be doing the, the worship and reflection night. Okay, so come early for some snacks at 6.45. It begins at 7. It's going to be simply um, a very powerful time with Jesus and you'll have the opportunity to minister to others as the Lord shows you, okay? But just be in that place where uh, God can do a work in you and in the lives of others around you. Hallelujah. Now, yesterday, we released our second episode uh, with Dr. Chris Cody on our podcast, okay? We'll talk about it tomorrow. Is that what it's called? Let's talk about it tomorrow. Uh, it's worth a listen, okay, or a watch. I watched the first one. Very wonderful. It was very well done. And uh, uh, just go wherever the, you uh, uh, listen to your podcasts, okay, and you'll find it there, okay? So everyone stand. Look at someone near you and say, I love you. We love you in the Lord, Okay. That's what the Word of God shares with us, okay? He loved us first. We can love Him back and love one another. Uh, stop being goofy or ashamed that you love, okay? We can love one another, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today's word. We thank you, Father, that the message has gone forth with clarity, power, and purpose. We thank you, Father, that we are challenged, Father. We love a pastor who challenges us, Father, pulls us out of our comfort zone, Father. And we just thank you, Father, that the word pulls us out of the comfort zone, Father, to cause us to become more and more what you've always called us to be. We just praise you and thank you, Father, for this word. It's lodged into us Deep. Hallelujah. It's found its place and it's going to grow and produce great fruit. And we just thank you that as we go out today, Father, and throughout this week, that we carry and release this word. Hallelujah. That others may be touched and that others would come. And we bless you and thank you for the opportunities that come by your spirit, divine connections, divine opportunities to minister and speak. Hallelujah to those who are around us. And we bless you for the results in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I release you in the name of Jesus to go and be light carriers. Hallelujah. Think 200. Hallelujah. Love one another. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, people are up here. We can pray with you. Hallelujah.